Hello, and welcome to the Trusted Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solution Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. This pod and video series is designed specifically for point-of-sale resellers and software developers, and our goal is to educate you on the topics of technology, leadership, management, sales, marketing, and other small business best practices. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking about how VARs and ISVs can build a stellar company culture with two special guests. Michelle McKeith is a vice president of RSP member Pinnacle Hospitality, a reseller of restaurant IT solutions headquartered in Fort Lauderdale and with locations throughout Florida, Alabama, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Michelle has been active in the RSP's Women in Retail group and was a panelist for the W2W community event this year at Retail Now. And because I'm a lifelong Pennsylvanian, I'm required by law to mention Michelle is a proud <laughs> Penn State graduate. Go Nittany Lions, right, Michelle? That's right. We're doing pretty good this year, that's for sure. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, uh, football team's off, off to a hot start. Uh, yeah. Our second special guest, Colin Martin, is the general manager of RSPA member Vigilex, a PCI-certified remote monitoring and management platform exclusively for the point-of-sale industry. Colin has been active in the RSPA as a member of the marketing committee and the membership committee, and I'm not required by law to say this, but I'm doing it just <laughs> to be fair. Colin is a proud graduate of Erskine College in Due West, South Carolina. Hey, Colin, thanks for being here. Thank you, Jim. And do you want to tell the audience, everybody knows Penn State's and Nittany Lions, do you want to tell the audience what Erskine's sports team's nickname is? Oi, you had to go there. It's the Flying Fleet. The Thank Flying you, you knew that. Ooh. Oh, I yeah, did know that. Yeah. I it, when it's, you first uh, told it the, to me, yeah. The mascot came from uh, after World War II, there were a ton of pilots that uh, went on went to Erskine from the GI Bill. And so that's where it came from. Here we are today. Air Force pilots going to college. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It is very cool. All right. Before we get to our questions and we engage uh, Colin and Michelle, our audience might be wondering why we're featuring two guests instead of a traditional more one-on-one interview. And here's why. The biggest strength of the RSPA is the community and partnerships that can be forged sometimes where you least expect them. So what we're going to do on many episodes of The Trusted Advisor is show the RSP community in action by having guests share their unique perspectives and see where the conversation takes us. That's what happens every day among RSP members, and we thought it'd be interesting to share that with you as well. All right, let's rock and roll. So I want you to both start our conversation addressing the VAR and ISV leaders who are skeptics about culture, right? They think it's fluffy. They're listening to this podcast, watching this video saying, I'm ready to bail. Right? They say they're too busy taking care of customers. They have problems to solve to focus on culture. So I just finished reading a book by AOL founder Steve Case, and he said the reason the AOL Time Warner merger didn't work was, quote, it all came down to people. It came down to emotions and egos and ultimately the culture itself. Michelle, starting with you, can you talk about the importance of culture to your company's bottom line and really for its future survival? Yeah, so uh, as I'm listening to you, Jim, I'm thinking um, to those of you that are listening to this or watching us, um, you can't afford not to invest in culture. Um, for us, it's uh, it's exactly what you're saying about that the people, your team are your asset, and um, the right company culture is what um, is what defines that asset. So. To me, it's all about the behaviors and the attitudes uh, that you 
uh, want and allow and promote within your company that will either uh, help you to grow and evolve or it'll be your demise. And um, for us, we call it the pinnacle way. Um, and it's it, it's just the way that we, we coach and we hire and we fire and how we interact with each other and, and, and with our customers. It, to me, it's the most important thing. And you said grow and evolve. And so sometimes folks might think, well, I'm not just here to grow and evolve my own employees but it's growing and evolving as an organization to adapt for the future in this ever-changing channel. Is that part of how that impacts the bottom line, Michelle? Yes, absolutely. Um, because, you know, you can, uh, you, you can have a whole team of that has the right skill sets, but if you don't have a team that has the right uh, attitudes and behaviors to uh, give that great customer service and exceed uh, your customer's expectations, then um, they're not going to keep doing business with you. You're not going to get those references because we just are like any other customer service group that, okay, it's mediocre, right? We, that's, this is our blue ocean. It's, this gets us away from the average customer service capabilities. So. Got it. Yeah, I guess to build on two points you said, one is a fundamental you got to want to. Right. If you bring on people who really want to get better and take care of customers, that's going to get you a long ways there as opposed to kicking them in the butt. And then the Blue Ocean strategy, we actually just posted on the RSP blog uh, and uh, some analysis of the Blue Ocean strategy, that book. And it talks about instead of being with all the competition, you can separate yourself by them and you do it with your people and your customer service. Yeah, get out of the red bloody ocean of everybody else and be that wow, when I call Pinnacle, it's like they care, they took care of me, and they did it in a timely manner. So. Yep, all the sharks are fighting over the same fish. So thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Colin, can you talk about uh, the importance to, of culture to your company's bottom line? Yeah, I, I would echo a lot of the things that Michelle just said. Um, it's literally where everything begins and ends with us. So, you know, Vigilix is uh, under the same roof with a sister company, Copus. So there's, there's uh, you know, roughly eight or nine people full-time at Vigilix, a total of 50 in Vigilix and Copus. And so we're all under the same culture. We're all under the same roof. And um, we don't have... We don't have a mission statement. We don't have a vision statement. We have four key values. And that's respect, lead, impact, and simplify. And everything we do goes through those four filters. And if they don't make it through that filter, it's not acceptable. And we, and we don't do it. Whether it's how we interact with each other, whether it's how we grow the business, how we interact with our customers, um, everything goes through respect, leadership, simplify, and impact. Got it. Interesting. And how does that, you know, how is that part of your culture? How do you make sure that those are alive and not just words on the wall? Do you look for people who have that? Do you train it in them? Yes. What are, I know it's not like some easy, you know, silver bullet uh, answer. Well, yeah, we do. So, um, you know, I, I, as I as I thought about what we would talk today, um, you know, one one of the things that seems really elementary, but it's so true, is that water flows downhill, right? So where does it start at Pinnacle? It starts with Donna and Michelle. And they set the tone. 
they set the tone for their offices. They set the tone for their headquarters. Same, same thing here. Andy Kurtz is the CEO of both Copus and Vigilix, and it begins and ends with him. Um, you know, back in the day when there were only eight people here total, um, Andy wanted to hire people that were very smart and were, he could tell were in line with how he thought, and he just turned them loose. You know, go, be free. Don't screw up. Well, as you grow, that doesn't work anymore. And and so and also as you grow, one person can't have 50 direct reports. In my view, I think one person should have no more than seven or eight direct reports. So what does that mean? How do you carry the ball throughout your organization? You carry the ball throughout your organization by making sure that the people that are your direct reports think like you do from a cultural standpoint. You don't want them on the same level and from you, from an intelligence standpoint, you want them smarter, you want them better, right? But they have to fit the culture to be able to pass it down through the organization, down through the, the chain of command into the different, the different, you know, to your customer service, to your marketing, to your sales team, to your operational team, et cetera. Got it. No, thank you for that. And I appreciate you sharing the uh, the four traits there. I will also say, because I know that Andy is a big uh, soccer fan. His daughter plays professional soccer. And I'll never forget uh, covering an NCAA soccer game. A coach put a kid in late, and the kid's name was Jimmy Diana. And the coach yells as he's running onto the field, Jimmy, don't blow it. He like, looks back like, got it, coach. Like that was something <laughs> that Andy did as well. He just right. everybody on the back and said, right. don't blow it. Uh, so, uh, right. Michelle, Colin said respect, lead, impact, and simplify. What are some of you talked about the way? What are some of the principles in the pinnacle way um, that jump out to you? And I guess offer kind of a um, you know guiding star for the folks inside of your organization. Yeah. I, so I loved everything that um, Colin had to had to say, and um, I do. I agree that um, it does start with the leaders, and you know we put. Uh, and, the, and the whole thing with the direct reports. Um, and I'm getting to the answer of your question, Jim. Um, uh, and so, you know, we put people in leadership roles and we just expect them to know how to lead and to manage. And um, it doesn't work that way. And so um, not only is it really important to have that culture of, we actually have 27 fundamentals, Colin, can you believe it? Um, but we, it sounds like a lot, but we don't just put them up on a wall. We actually uh, live them. And um, we, it's everything from uh, fundamental number one is do the right thing to fundamental number 27 is keep things fun. But in between there, like this week, we study, we study a fundamental a week. So this week is be all in, which happens to be one of my favorite. And um, we have like a little like book here, like a little fold out. And nice. we actually we actually uh, use this and we start every meeting with it. We read it out loud, what it means to be all in. And we give these to anybody that interacts with Pinnacle. And we say, this is who we are. This is the Pinnacle way. And we want you to hold us accountable for what we do and how we interact with you as a customer or a prospect or any of that. So like for instance, um, be all in um, is fundamental number 24. So that means we've actually been through and studied our fundamentals. We've been doing this for five years. So do the math on that, right? How many times we've been through it. 
But the, the fundamental be all in, make the most of each day by approaching every task with energy, focus, purpose, and enthusiasm, and to be fully engaged. So we do that at the beginning of every every meeting. We read that, and if anybody has anything they want to share about some sort of be all in, and then we go on with the meeting. And now it's amazing how it's just become our, it's a second language around here. Like one another one that works great for us is straight speak. You know how in like, a, you know, no matter how many people you have in your organization, um, there's always like, well, I need to go to my manager and then I'm going to tell them about somebody else and some other team that did something wrong. And, you know, now we got to have a big meeting about it. And with the straight speak, you can just walk up to anyone within the team and you can go, can I have some straight speak with you? And they frame it that way. And then they tell you, this is when you actually, um, you know, were on that call that I just heard, I didn't think that you handled that 100% correctly. And here's why. And the only thing about straight speak is that when you get straight speak, the person you're talking to can also give straight speak back, and it all just needs to be handled in a respectful way. But even the definition of straight speak is, is it's the closest way to a resolution and doesn't waste a lot of everyone's time. So I'm just kind of giving you a couple of examples, but it's like our fundamentals are not like things that you can't do. They're all behaviors that are just a part of what, you know, like make quality personal. One of the things you mentioned, Colin, was take ownership. You, everybody needs to think and act like an owner, take ownership of, of what it is that's assigned to you. So those are just a couple of examples um, that that's why I think it works for us. Yeah, right on. No, those are great. Uh, you know, the one thing that we train on in the uh, RSP from workshops that we do for our resellers and uh, some of our members, and I think Michelle, you and I have talked about this before, but we call it mm -hmm. the communication role. And, you know, when you have an issue with somebody, you go to them directly as opposed to some sort of a triangulation where you go complain to somebody or go <laughs> talk about them to somebody's back because nobody says, well, I really like them when people beat around the bush, right? How would you want somebody to address you? And that sounds like it's what you're talking about is that yeah. straight speak. I really like, really like how you say it that way. Um, mm -hmm. No drama. Michelle? Oh, no drama. I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of drama. I think that's why... I have two boys. I have three stepdaughters, but the boys, you just like, no drama, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but that is a real thing of inside an organization, the employees who drive you nuts, right? The employees who don't perform, very rarely do you say, oh, their skills just weren't up to speed. No, it's like, oh, they always, you know, overreact to something or, you know, they uh, don't work as hard as somebody else or they're just causing some sort of internal tension that they needed to. And that's, again, why culture can be so important in so many ways. And Michelle, you touched on a few of the systems uh, that you mentioned. You talked about the, the 27 fundamentals, but also looked and folks seeing your website, uh, on your About Us page, there are pictures of your employees at a go-kart track. There's a video about your annual kickoff meeting. Uh, can you talk about you know either one or both of those? And how do those things contribute to your culture? So, um we actually pick a fundamental uh, a year that is the theme of the of the of the year and like for our kickoff for instance everyone gets shirts made up with it and then everything kind of um is around that kickoff um theme um but we just weave our fundamentals in the pinnacle way into everything that we do and even if it's 
something like straight speak, we always say no matter what we're doing, we that's always we then keep things fun. So um, yeah, we're there for educational piece for the kickoff to uh, do shout outs to sales team and other team members that did a great job throughout the year. A lot of that's based on um, the fundamentals that we think that they did a great job with. Um, but at the same time, why don't we do some go-kart racing while we're at it? Why don't we, you know, let's, let's sing karaoke. Let's do some stuff that really um, makes it so that it's just not about what you have to do, but you can, you can really have fun while you do it. And it builds a team of people that they want to come to work. And they are all in with what Pinnacle is doing, where we're evolving. You know how everybody hates and hates change? Well, one of our, not everybody, but a lot of people, one of our fundamentals is embrace change. And we, we show them how that can be for, the, for good. That can, that can really help everybody to get to that next level. So. Everybody hates change except for a baby uh, with a wet diaper. Um, and I... <laughs> The thing that you said, Michelle, where you said about how do you, you know, combining straight speak and fun. Uh, I mentioned when I was at Business Solutions Magazine, we had that, you know, communication role. We also had some, you know, how do you uh, execute on the communication role. And one of them was instead of saying to somebody, you're wrong, we would say, this is what you did and this is how it made me feel, or this is what you did, and this is how it impacted the outcome. And people ended up making it fun in terms of this is what you did, now I hate you. Like they were joking about it in that way, but it was kind of a way of, okay, it's a way to make fun of what we're doing, but at the same time, it's still a real you know, thing that's part of our business. So uh, thank you for that, Michelle. Now, Colin, on your website, the Vigilex website, uh, it says open position in all caps, on the open positions page, all caps, it says our culture do you see a problem or a puzzle? And then that's followed with questions such as, do you approach teammates as coworkers or collaborators? Are you threatened by people who know more than you or challenged? Do you realize the important distinction between Miller Lite and local craft brews? Uh, can you share with us what is that all about? Like, how does that shape your team? How does that, uh, you know, help the people on your current team? Well, not to sound like a broken record, but it all goes down. It all comes down to our values, really. Um, uh, the, the, the filter is always the people that I hire. I want them to be leaders. I don't want them to be uh, yes people. I want them to be comfortable taking charge. I want them to be assertive. I want them to always be respectful of those around them, no matter what. Um, uh, I want them to, you know, the, the whole, do you see things as a problem or a puzzle? Well, that's the right attitude, right? I mean, that's, that's simplify. That's if, if, if you believe that everything's a problem, then you're never going to solve anything. Um, <clears throat> another, another way to look at it is, um, um, Oh, it just left me. Oh, Jim, you've talked with me with me enough. You know this happens. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had another uh, another example that was in my head, and it just left. Um, uh, is it the Miller Lite of the craft brews? Does that have anything? No, that no, that 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 we we also want people with a sense of humor. So that's more. You know, you know, we have fun every day, right? I mean, so if if, if you're going to be a sourpuss, we don't want that either, right? Um, we, we want people with positive attitudes, which is, which all goes down to respect. It all goes down to leadership. 
Having a positive attitude every day is a huge part of leadership. Um, you know, I, I, I want people here that, um, that, that want to grow as, as human beings. And, and it, what, what I tell, what I tell my people is, and, and, I, and I mean this, this sounds harsh to say it, I don't care whether they are still here working with us two years from now or not. What I care about is that they've grown as a person. And if in their growth, in their development as a, as a person of business, in their development as a human being, if, it, if they determine that, they're, that the better place for them is not here, but they've grown into a position somewhere else, then I'm very happy for them. Mm-hmm. All I want is for our people to grow. And, and what I've found is that when you come at it, come at leadership from that attitude, people usually stay because I, I don't think that's very common. And, and so don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not coming at it from some Machiavellian, you know, manipulation. I, I it, it's, it's genuine from the heart. I, I want them to grow. And if they grow out of a position here, well, then shame on me because I haven't found a place for them to fit within our business, in our culture. I, I, I look in the mirror first. Does yeah, that answer your question? No, it does. And that's a big takeaway that really was maybe epiphany might be too strong a word for me. But uh, in the book Multipliers, which is actually what the RSPA book club is reviewing right now, but that's at the very end in terms of grow your people. And if you grow them to where they go, somebody else, go somewhere else. That should be a good thing because what they're going to do is point more people back towards your organization and really expand the network and go there. Don't be, you know, putting your arms around people. And we see in the NFL all the time, like Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick was an assistant of his and Bill Parcells shouldn't have been like, no, you know, Belichick, you can't leave, you know, let give them the opportunity to spread, spread your wings. Michelle, what's your take on this? What uh, Colin was just talking about from his culture standpoint. I, I, I love it. Um, and um, I love what you said, Colin, about that, uh, you know, we want to help them to to be better human beings. We want to help them to grow as a, as a person. So I think that's important um, as leaders um, and even though everyone that interacts within a team that we are more than just there to pick up the phone and answer the phone. We are human beings. And um, it's about growing you know, just helping to empower them to grow. And, um, and I think that, um, that you should know about your team. You should, you should know what does, what, what, um, you know, one person will um, be coachable on and pick up on is different than another. And I think we need to be in tune with that, with our team, because I just was sitting here yesterday with a, 22-year-old um, employee team member that works with us, and um, she she um, wanted to wanted to talk to me about where she wants to go, and she actually uh, has has an offer to go somewhere else, um, and and she's talking about how she wants to continue to grow and be, and she's got this opportunity, and I'm like not trying to keep her. I'm like saying, you've done such a great job here. She's been with us for two years. 
at the, her age, which we're seeing a lot of in our um, marketplace and, and in our team, because we're we're bringing on the the millennial and um, that um, age group of the Gen what is that Gen Zers? Um, they're track. going to they're going to they're going to look around. Um, and I, I think what will happen is like what you're saying, Colin, is that when they do look around, because that's what they're hearing, you should check out other, um, other companies, you should have experience, they're going to be able to tell the difference. Now, if she goes wherever, she's going to look back at Pinnacle, I'm hoping and see, hey, their culture is different than other cultures that are out there. So she may come back or she may uh, move on, but either way, I feel like we've planted a seed and we've done our part. So I love what you, I love what you're saying, Colin. And I probably said it the long way around, but <laughs> <laughs> no. And just you know, I call the next generation, you know, this new generation entering the workforce, half my age. Like that's the thing that I'm realizing. Like, oh my gosh, I've been alive twice as long as, yeah. as you have. And Michelle and Colin, and I'm hoping you can. I'm asking Michelle this question first, and then you. Is it really, you know, how to grow people? Is it really that fundamental as meet with them one-on-one, -on -one, get to know them, and then whatever resources they need, whether it's reading or podcasts or more one-on-one -on -one or mentoring or formal training, it all branches off from there. But this will be the second time, second straight podcast I've said this. There's no substitute for a competent person getting closer to a situation. Is it that fundamental that uh, the folks listening to this need to take the time to meet every week or every couple of weeks and just sit down one-on-one -on -one with their employees or is it is there some complexity that i'm missing there i, I mean it, i don't think it's that complex um I, I i don't think you're missing it i think that um sometimes we try to make it more complicated than what it really is um i, I will go back and say that um it does start with us Caring, and one of the things that I put a lot of time and effort into recently is what I what we call our L5 leadership team, and L5 is based on the teachings of John Maxwell. And and and, and as an L5 leader, you are uh, you know you are a, a leader that's respected, and that you can show your other team members and teach them and coach them to be a great leader because everyone that works for you. You should be looking at them as that they can be a leader too. And it's not maybe that they lead a team of, you know, 84 people. It's that they lead a team within the peers that they can make an impact with. So getting back to what you were saying, Colin, about, you know, you mentioned leaders, leadership and impactfulness. It starts, it does start with Don and I, but we can't be everywhere all the time. So as we teach our L5 leadership to be great leaders, and then they're teaching other leaders and we weave in the pinnacle way, that's that's the, you know, secret sauce, I think. And it's not that complicated. But you do, as you're as a leader, as an L5 leader, you are expected to know your team and to teach them and coach them and to help to empower them to become better. On the other hand, we hold them accountable for the times that, you know, you're gonna have those team members that they come in, they work nine to five, they do the bare minimum and that's it. And um, I'm gonna say uh, to us, for as far as we're concerned, um, it's great that you're doing that, but if you don't want to continue to evolve and to help others and to do the things that are part of our culture, you're probably not a good fit for our culture. And um, you're definitely not a good fit 
that if you aren't coachable and you don't do things that we're expecting from a behaviors and attitude standpoint. And if and, and the other thing I'll just say is that as a leader, if you don't quickly um, jump on that and address that and either they are coachable or you let them go, everyone thinks that everything you say from a leadership standpoint, standpoint and I'm going to make sure I don't say the wrong word here, but they're just going to not believe you because to them, it's you either believe in what you're saying and you believe that this is what our culture is and that everybody follows it, or you just don't care and it's just a bunch of words on the wall. So, very and well said. Yes. <laughs> no, no. Uh, people, uh, employees will smell you out. You know, and my old basketball coach used to say that you can fake it here. But when you meet somebody, they're going to be able to, to smell you out. And people will know when you're faking or you're just going through the motions. Uh, Colin, mm -hmm. can you talk about uh, how do you grow people? You know, you talk about how important that is. Is it really is a fundamental, that one-on-one -on -one conversation, having time with them uh, to connect with them? What, what Can you talk about a little bit more what goes into that? Paint a picture for our audience. Well, well that, that's why I said I don't think anyone should have more than about eight reports, certainly no more than ten because I believe in being present. I mean, Michelle, you have you have five children. Jim, you have one. I have three. Um, you know, as I've, I mean, one of my kids is in college. I've got a senior in high school and a, and a freshman in high school, right? So I'm almost done. One of the things that I've practiced and I realized is that a lot of parenting is just being present. And I think a lot of leadership is just being present. It's being present in the lives of the people that you care about. And people pick up on that really fast mm -hmm. when they know that you, you give a crap. Um, I'm watching my language too, Michelle. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a podcast. There's no FCC regulations. So. Yeah, well, we'll... we'll We'll, we'll we'll stay appropriate for most, right? Um, yes. Um, you know, I, I I try to meet with my team on a regular basis. I I pop my head in their office. If they're we have a very loose um, working environment. In other words, if somebody wants to work from home for a day, they don't. As long as they don't have any meetings here, I mean, they, they don't need to ask for approval. They just say, hey, I'm going to work from home on Wednesday or whatever. It's, it's fine. You know, you dial in. But if I don't see him for a day or two, I make sure I pop in and say, hey, what's going on? How you doing? Let's talk about this. Um, are you having any issues? Is there anything that I can help you with? And, and a lot of times, and I'm sure, Michelle, you find this too, the way this conversation goes is they go, well, I'm struggling with this. I'm not sure how to handle this situation. And what you can do is you go, well, when I think about pinnacle <laughs> fundamental number 12, I think the answer is right there, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I, I don't know what your fundamental number 12 is, but I mean, you, you go, well, um, you know, when, when I think about respect, when I think about leadership, uh, how I would come at this is ABC. Um, and so I, I, I just, the, to me, spending the time with the people is first base. Second base is understanding who they are, where they want to go. And, and helping them to grow as a person and hit their goals. Um, and that's not, that's not an instantaneous thing. Um, you're delusional if you think it is or if they think it is. 
um, it, it's it's over time, right? Because as your organization grows, like I have a particular person that I believe will be a great a great manager, a great leader, but we need to grow a little bit before I can hire people to put under him. So, so in the meantime, I want to make sure that he doesn't get that leadership thirst and go somewhere else because I have big plans for him. And so I tell him, I'm like, dude, you the man, you're doing a great job. Please continue doing a great job. Here's, here's what I see happening as we grow. What do you think about that? Does that mm -hmm. make sense to you? Is that, does that give you energy when you think about it? Because I want to make sure that what I'm thinking about you is what you think about you. Uh, very well said. And I have a story, but first I have to squeeze in a commercial break, so if, if you don't mind. Uh, so we're going to pause here for a moment to let our listeners and viewers know that an RSP membership has never been more valuable. I'm not selling Michelle and Colin on this. They're, they're members already. The RSP recently expanded its VAR and ISV member benefits to include discounts on health insurance, HR services, office supplies, and shipping. Also, RSP members now have access to a legal advisor, security advisor, sales coach, and a VAR and ISV business advisor. That's all included in your annual RSP membership, which for resellers starts at just $250 a year. That's 68 cents a day for these high-value services. Without an RSP membership, you'll either spend thousands of dollars paying an outside consultant who doesn't know the channel, like Michelle and Colin do, or you'll end up going it alone during these turbulent times in our industry. Also, thank you to our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast, video series, and all the services I mentioned possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star, Heartland, ScanSource, and Shift4 Payments, and our gold sponsors are Epson and Tesis. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. And finally, don't forget to save the date for Retail Out 2020, August 2nd through 5th at the Venetian in Las Vegas. Retail Now is where the industry meets, and that's where I think all of us met, right? I think that's where we all first crossed paths there. So I just you were talking about growing people, and I guess one thing that I want to emphasize is, and this is a lesson that I learned the hard way, the point that I want to make to folks is um, it's not only staying close to your new people and not only staying close to your underperformers, but even, and if not maybe to your point, Colin, especially your top performers. Uh, so especially. when I was at James when I was at Jameson Publishing, I was operations manager, then I became general manager. I had somebody who, uh, Nikki Heikis, was, uh, became our operations manager. She was fantastic. We also hired someone else in operations. Her name was Karen Stewart. They were both great. I had other problems I needed to solve, but I got away from them and just figured they're really good. Let them go do their thing. And then once we started making some staffing adjustments, we were opening up a Pittsburgh office and making some changes. And I went to them and said, hey, I have this idea, and it was going to involve them. They were really short on labor, but they were making it work. It was going to involve somebody from Pittsburgh coming up to the office. They were going to train them for six months. Then that person go down to Pittsburgh. Then we'd have somebody else come in. And they were so bummed because they were like, you are out of touch with all the labor that we have because we're going to train this person for six months. That's going to slow us down. You're talking about us being a year, if not 18 months away from getting any lift whatsoever. And I was like, wow, I had no idea with this because I had stayed too far away from them. So there's a real thing of, I call it, don't do ignorant empowerment. Don't just say, oh, I have to empower people. And so let them go and run on their own. You've got to have those regular touch points in order to find out what's going on in their lives and what do they need. Because even your top performers need something, even if it's just a keep up the good work, but they at least need something like don't ignore anybody in your 
organization. I guess is either one of one of you, either one of you want to say amen to that or say what are you nuts or add any more details to that. I think for me it's a good reminder to hear that, um, and um, and that I I completely agree. I like the way Colin uh, it did that with one of his top top performers. I call him, you know, I say they're like a rock star, they're a superstar. I, you know, you can kind of pick them out, right? You know, as you're watching them and the way they're in, you, you can see that 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 they they they've got that it. Um, and so um, I think it's great, one, Colin, that you let them know that um, and kind of clear on expectations with it, because one of the things that I've had happen to me is that I've seen this with, with a certain person, and then I think, oh, they'd be great for a role, and then they don't want to do it at all. So, um, you know, that it's not even anything that they are interested in. And I so totally misread that. And so I think it's good to know that before you put a lot of time into them in that effort. And maybe it's not what they thought. Or to your point that, well, I hadn't even thought of that. And now you start to get their head wrapped around that. I, I love that approach. And I think I will try to weave that in even more to do it sooner uh, than later. So uh, I, I like that point. Yeah, it's, thanks, Colin. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say get together with folks weekly if you can, but no, don't let it go more than four weeks that you're sitting down with them and talking about them and the biggest thing they're facing, or taking them out to lunch. Like that was a big thing I was a huge fan of. You're going to spend twenty bucks, and it's a great investment to sit down with somebody, oh, yeah. and let them know that they're important. And um, I remember even you know the controller would say, "Hey, we're spending some money on this stuff." I'm like, "Hey, this person's paying a lot of prices. The least we can do is take them out to Perkins or you know Applebee's or wherever they want it to go, and we just sit down and say, let's take you know not hours and hours and hours, but you know instead of the regular you know squeeze in on the lunchtime, it's going to take a little bit a little bit more than that. And so Michelle, let me ask you this question. So you have a challenge where, and you and Colin are you know have challenges from a culture standpoint about what to do. But you're trying to establish, maintain a cohesive culture across many offices in four states. And Colin has an office in Greenville that he shares with his sister company, you know, the, the COPUS, the custom software development firm. Michelle, can you first talk about how do you keep your culture across many buildings? And then, Colin, if you can follow up and talk about how do you have that culture with two different companies under one roof? Michelle first. Um, I kind of touched on it a little bit. Well, one, it, it is that is the are the fundamentals and the way that we live them, um, and um, it, it is a challenge when you have. So we have um, multiple offices around Florida. We've got an office in Alabama, two in Ohio, and an office in Pennsylvania, and. Um, you got to keep your arms around it. I kind of like compare it to like being a mom of kids, you know, like um, you, you can't keep your arms around all of those offices. So you've got to rely on like my mom is one of 10 kids. And so um, and I'm the oldest of 29 grandchildren. And so um, but my mom would always tell stories about that within the kids of the 10 kids, there were those that were picked out to be leaders for or take care of some of the other kids in the family, right? So like my mom was in charge of, you know, a couple of the younger ones and her sister was in charge of a couple of the other ones. 
So that to me is the same as teaching your leaders to make sure that that message goes out and gets, you know, do those one-on-ones, even with the people that are in those different offices. So um, have good leaders and uh, and work on that. Like for us, it's the L5 leadership, that that makes sure that that gets communicated properly. I do think communication is number is one of the top things and to not let them feel like they're on an island. Um, let them know that they're, we want their feedback. Um, and way the office works in Pittsburgh and the, and the, and the customers that are in Pittsburgh, uh, maybe there's something different culturally or whatever that we should know about in, in, with the way we do things in Florida, for instance. So let them feel like they're a part of it and that it's just not like, oh, those guys in corporate, here we go again, you know, they're making another decision. So anytime there's like any kind of new thing that's happening or anything like that, we always have town halls, we let them talk, they can openly um, ask questions. And it really helps to keep through leadership, communication, and letting them feel like they can say and ask questions, it helps to keep a cohesiveness. So, um, and then Don and I go around to all the offices and we let them talk to us. Like we're starting around right now, like in October, we're going to Pennsylvania and Ohio. And then we'll, we, we're on a rotation and we meet with the team there. And part of it's like Don, I call it the state of the union. So Don gives the state of the union and then they, the people get to, you know, ask questions or, and how's that going to affect us? Or, you know, cause that's what people think about, right? It's, this is me and how is that going to affect me and my family? And um, so it, it, it's harder to do that if you don't get out and really meet the meet your team and, and, and interact with your team. So. Yeah, it sounds like you have to make sure that you have somebody in that office who shares your DNA, right? Mm-hmm. And you can constantly communicate with them and train them. And then you've got to be visible. You have to show up, uh, like Colin said, be present. Yeah. Uh, Colin, can you talk about the challenge of two companies under one roof, uh, you know, but having the culture. I mean, I guess it's a little different where there is one owner, but if you can talk about that, that challenge about building the culture under one roof. There really isn't a challenge. I guess it could be. So, so let me, let, let me clarify. Um, uh, under Andy, there's three people, me, Kevin, Adam, that, are the leadership team for both companies. And we have bought into the company values, hook, line, and sinker, of course. They are our values. They're not just the company's values. They're a part of us, a part of our DNA. And then the people that are under us that we lead and manage, uh, we make sure that that, I said it earlier, that water continues to flow downhill. and. And um, uh, the second that water is not flowing downhill, it's out, right? I mean, uh, higher, slow, fire, fast. So um, if if it's if it if it's determined that a particular person is not the right fit, um, uh, we we have a pretty quick assessment. Is it a capabilities thing, or is it just we were wrong in hiring them in the first place. And, um, and even in, even when we let somebody go, we try to be very respectful. We'll, we've even carried uh, uh, health benefits 
for a number of months after they left until they landed on their feet somewhere else. So, um, uh, you know, so I, sorry, I, I don't want to belabor it. For, for us, it's it, being under one roof. I, I think, Michelle, I think your, your challenge is much more profound. Um, but, but even there, I would assume and I would hope that you have a key person at each office that is your right hand at that office. And and then it flows it flows from you and Don to that person, from that person down to the rest of the team in that office. And if for some reason that chain has a weak link, you have to fix it. I, I would imagine it becomes pretty evident pretty fast. If I could pull back here for one second, almost bring our conversation full circle, where you both started was talking about the values inside your organization. So it's not like Michelle, you and Don are going to each office and say, be like Michelle and Don and Colin. It's not like you're saying, be like me or Andy's saying, be like me. You're pointing no. to the principles and it's breaking down into actions that people can follow or that they have followed and, and do that in, in their world. And that's where I think a lot of small businesses where it's all centered on the owner and it's kind of that, you know, cult of personality thing. And Dave, try to be like so-and-so and try to be John Jr., you know, as opposed to being your own version of meeting those principles. That's what it, I guess I, I want to pull back here. And that's what it really sounds like you're saying. And I guess those on the podcast can't see that Colin and Michelle are both nodding. So it sounds like you're saying, yeah, that's a, that's a big key. So right. if folks are listening to this, you got to kind of start with your, with some principles. Absolutely. It's, it's the principles that, that carry the organization forward. If you're relying on a person as you said, a cult of personality, you're going to fail. It might be 30 years from now when the person dies, but you're going to fail. It's not, um, it, it's, it's, it's not a, uh, a formula for success, ultimate success and longevity, in my opinion. Got it. Yeah. And I just, uh, read the book, um, uh, nine lies. I have to turn around and look at it. Nine lies about work. And the last one is uh, related to uh, leadership. And it talks about leadership is a variety of things. There's not one path to get there. It's just producing followers. That's what it sounds like. You have your principles, but however people get there, uh, they get there. So uh, my last question for you, um, can you recommend, and Michelle, let's start with you first. Can you recommend to our audience a book to read, an online resource to follow, or a podcast to listen to that will help them improve their culture. And before you answer, Michelle, I'm gonna plug your husband's book. Uh, so Don uh, the Potter is a CEO at Pinnacle and wrote Restaurant Tour, Protect Your Profits, available for $9.95 on Amazon. So uh, Michelle, besides Don's book, cause I know you'd have to mention that to keep these uh, in the office. Thank you, uh, Colin. <laughs> Colin's showing the book too, thank you. Uh, what resources would, Don, uh, would that, you recommend? That'll be the whole, Don will love hearing that. <laughs> Wonderful. It'll keep them all the way through the, the podcast. So what other resources yeah. uh, do you recommend, Michelle? Well, so the um, so um, the, the book that and the, the whole thing of way we designed our culture uh, was from a Vistage speaker, which Don and I are both in Vistage, which is a, it's just the way to help us grow as leaders. It used to be called tech and now it's called Vistage. And so one of the speakers we had was David Friedman. And he is all about culture. So he has a book called Culture by Design. And um, he has a framework that you can follow. This is the book here. Um, and um, But it's a, 
it's a great way to show you how not only to, it's a way he showed us how to not come up with those, like we talked about words on a wall, but how that becomes how you live and how you, um, you know, it just becomes a second language to your, your company. So I would recommend him. I also recommend the L5 Leadership by John Maxwell. And um, one of the things that we, I had the whole team listen to recently was The Lost Interview by Steve Jobs. And uh, it's an excellent, excellent video documentary. Um, and one of the things it talks about in there that if you want to grow as a as a, a company, you have to get beyond just what your vision is, and it's about how you execute. And um, that he talks about Scully and the fact that his um, he got a terrible disease, which was just that ninety he thought ninety percent of what happened in a company was just what the vision was, and it's actually the opposite. That there's a vision, and then there's all the people that make it happen. And um, so then Steve Jobs goes on to talk about that as you work on things, all of your team members are like these rough rocks that go into like a tumbler to then polish them up like a group of polished rocks. And so we love that here. We, we talk about I, every, every week when we have our L5 leadership meeting, I have a whole pile of polished rocks that we show as the visual. And we show that that's where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to that team that is a team of polished rocks and we did it because we brought our ideas to the table and we had friction but it was to make it so that we're better on the other side and when you listen to steve jobs say it it just gives me goosebumps thinking about it because it's just so cool the way that he describes it so i i love that documentary i recommend it to anyone very good thank you and then also you were just in vegas you had planned on touring zappos did you get to do that they have a very interesting culture we we did, um, you know, I think that um, obviously Zappos um, is known for their culture. Um, you know, I think maybe they might've gone a little beyond that as, and it might be now a cult, but um, you know, <laughs> it is a really good, it is a, it's a, an amazing culture. Everyone that lives there, they just, they're, they're very, I mean, that works there. They're very excited. They're very, um, all in, um, and we took a tour, so we we didn't exactly, you know, they they really are like you kind of mentioned earlier, Jim, that you took from what Colin and I were saying. They really let them be themselves, but they have a they they have a fundamental of um, what happens with happening with their culture is that the team members actually start holding each other accountable for that. This is the Zappos way. This is the way that we. Um, do our customer service, and I really liked a lot of things that they did with their onboarding of new team members. Um, they actually teach them about things, and then they have it presented back to the to a group of team a team that they're going to work with to make sure that they're just not nodding their head like you know like this, but they're actually understanding it and um, becoming. Uh, you know, that they're really taking it in and that they want to, they, they understand where, what it is they're expected to do in the Zappos culture. So I thought it was very good. I thought it was a little over the top, some of the stuff, but I thought it was very good. Yeah, that is an all-in environment. Like you either all <laughs> in with it or you're like, I do not want to work it, but that's fine. Like they, they find their, their kind of folks. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Those are great. Colin, what resources would you recommend to everybody listening and watching? Well, um, I've got a few actually. Um, 
So, you know, Jim, you, you mentioned earlier at the beginning um, a little bit about a lot of, uh, there are some resellers out there. Uh, I'll describe them as founder-centric instead of culture-centric businesses. It's a way to, it's a way to think about it. Fair. And where I'd start is right here, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Old school book, 1995, right? But, um, you know, Michael Gerber made the point that most small businesses are technicians having an entrepreneurial seizure. And that sounds terribly disrespectful. It's not meant to, but it, it is very accurately descriptive. Mm -hmm. um, the, way, the way you become culture-centric, you have to become culture-centric in order to grow, not founder-centric, or else you're, you're only going to get to a certain level, and you're just going to be doing, 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 doing all the time. Instead of working, working on the business, you're going to be working in the business. I never want to be working in the business. No. The next one is Traction, right? Can you see that? Traction mm -hmm. by Gina Wickman. Um, traction takes Michael Gerber's core philosophy and makes it practical in terms of how to make the culture, um, uh, take the, the best parts of the founder and drive the culture of the business so it's not reliant on the founder. Um, then just two more books. Uh, if if anybody listening was at uh, uh, listen to Michelle's uh, uh, talk at Michelle uh, Inspire, Inspire 2019, uh, yes, about the Challenger sale. The Challenger sale is uh, to me a, an incredibly groundbreaking book on how to drive your sales teams. And the last one is this one, which is very similar to the Challenger sales, called the CEO Next Door by Kim Powell. Um, I, I listened to, to Kim Powell actually deliver a talk a, a while back, and um, our entire leadership team here has absorbed that book. If you want, the, one of the things that I love about the Challenger sale and the CEO next door is they're very data driven. Um, they very much appeal to the analytical side of my brain. And um, the, the traits talked about in the CEO next door. Are come from 17,000 CEO interviews over about 20 years. So um, it's really data-driven. It's not just some pundit saying what he thinks is correct. It's backed up. Um, so that would be my recommendation. Uh, that that's it's just four books. That's yeah. where you should that's where you should start. No, those are, those are really good. And I'll just say, so Traction, a few years ago at Inspire, there was a speaker who was, you know, teaching everybody on the EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, and a lot of things that went in with Traction. Resellers I know love that book and talked about how that really turned around their business and talked about how it systemized uh, their culture. And then the E-Myth, Michael Gerber spoke at a retail now a few years back. And uh, did you know that I, I love did, him. that he... He reached out to me after those, and he and I actually did a series of webinars uh, with each other. So, and I will tell you, very cool. So I was totally blown away. Like I thought somebody was playing a joke on me when he was, you know, because he has that voice, you know, Michael Gerber, doing it, doing it, doing it. Uh, he is the same way off stage as he is on stage. Like that guy is through and through, and he's now I think 81 years old, uh, or maybe 82, and he is still just plugging away, plugging away. So. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, wonderful resources and wonderful uh, interviews. So uh, thank you very much, 
uh, Colin and Michelle for your time today. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed our discussion. And if you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the point of sale channel, you can check out the RSPA blog. You can find that at gorspa.org and then by clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, thanks again to Michelle and Colin for sharing their wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Marcom Manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point-of-sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody. 